It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today, Cork Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. And a very good Tuesday morning to you as we welcome you along to the uh, programme. Uh, John Paul is off again today. So Bernie is taking your calls at 0818 103 103. Anything you want to share with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can text, you can WhatsApp as well to 0862 103 103. And I can give you the heads up and tell you that some time on the programme today, I will be playing two back-to-back Elton John hits you know what that means. It means it will be your chance to text or WhatsApp us with your name and address and go into the draw that ultimately could see you and a friend going to see Elton John, part of his farewell Yellow Brick Road tour and you'll be going along to see him twice once in Anfield in Liverpool we've got flights from Cork to Liverpool we've even organised private airport transfers for you there's luxury hotel accommodation uh, for two nights it's bed and breakfast there's a a three course meal with some drinks on one of the uh, evenings and of course tickets to the concert in Anfield in Liverpool 17th of June make sure before you enter the competition that you're free on on these dates by the way so you'll be over in Liverpool for, for those two days it's concert I say is on the 17th of June and then when you come home you'll be getting ready to go back and see Elton John again in Porky Cueve in uh, Cork on the 1st of July so sometime on the programme today but it's only when you hear the second Elton John track that you can start texting and whatsapping to 0862 103 103 anything we, we receive before the second track plays doesn't get included into the draw because when I mentioned with Ken this morning that I was going to be playing the two Elton John uh, songs somebody straight away enters that's invalid you won't be able to enter until the second Elton John song starts to play so keep a listen out for that sometime on the programme today between now and one your chance to experience Elton John twice with Blackpool Shopping District no gimmicks no notions no paid parking just shopping it's what they do best only on C103 now and thank you to Sheila in Kilworth who got on to us last week and she's back to us with 
with an update. Sheila was the lady who contacted us who was really at her wits end. She's trying to renew her driving licence and she did everything that they said on the tin. She was renewing it online. She had even, if my memory serves me right, opened up a bank account so that she could get a debit card so that she could process the application online. But she needed then to to get a MyGov account and she was setting up her MyGov account and whenever she tried to verify it, it just kept saying an error was occurring, an error was occurring. And she was nervous about the fact that she lives in a rural enough uh, area. She needs the car and she was nervous about driving with a driving licence out of date. And she was on to us to see, was there any way that we could help her out and could we get on to the powers that be? So in fairness, we got on to the RSA and we explained Sheila's predicament and with Sheila's permission we passed on Sheila's name and contact details to the RSA and they said look leave it with us and we'll get directly on to Sheila and we'll see what we can do well Sheila has, has come back on to say that the girl from the RSA did get back on to her on Friday as uh, promised and that was within a couple of hours of us mentioning it on air now Sheila said at the time unfortunately the girl wasn't able to talk Sheila through the procedure of what she needed to do because guess what Sheila's internet was down that's the joys of living in rural Ireland uh, isn't it so instead the lady managed to make an appointment for Sheila to travel to Mallow because Sheila didn't want to travel to the city with Covid and everything she's a bit nervous about travelling to the city but she arranged an appointment for her in uh, Mallow so Sheila now is going to be able to go to Mallow directly and get her new driver's licence and she just sent us on a message just to thank us for all our help but listen we, we did very little it was the RSA in fairness uh, to whoever the young lady there was that was helping us out but Sheila just it's a huge load off her mind uh, so many many years of happy driving to you Sheila and glad that we could play a small part in helping out there the one thing we haven't been able to do for people though I have to say is help people out with passports and yes we do hear regularly from people who are having problems with delays with uh, passports and I have a funny feeling we're going to be hearing a lot more about passports this week because it's an issue that certainly is going to be spoken about in the doll. and so many I'd say all of our elected representatives are hearing from constituents because I know when we're contacted by somebody who says can you help me I'm having a problem with a passport we don't have a direct line into the passport office. So what we do is we find out, we say to them, who's your, who's, who's your local TD? Have you a relationship with any of your local TDs? If you, and if you, if you don't have a relationship with your local TD, contact your local TD's office. And TDs all over the country are getting swamped by constituents who are having problems with delays with passports. But I read in the papers today that the Department of Foreign Affairs have come out and they're insisting that there is no backlog in the processing of passports. And when I was reading that, I was saying, what are they talking about? There's nearly 200,000 people waiting on a passport. So when I read down through the articles in the papers today, the Department of Foreign Affairs are saying that the reason that almost 200,000 people are waiting for a passport Uh, they're blaming the forms have not been filled in correctly. They say four in ten passport applications are incomplete and this is a major cause of long delays in issuing documents. I mean, I straight away would say, okay, if four in ten of the applications are incomplete, 
What about the six in ten that are complete? Why are you not processing those faster? Or is it that the four in ten are slowing up absolutely everything? The Department of Foreign Affairs reacting to widespread criticism of the huge passport backlog, but it's denying that the backlog exists because they say only checked and completed application enter the processing process. They say while the passport service is experiencing a very high volume of applications, they say it doesn't represent a backlog. They say applications are being processed in the usual way with a continuous stream of new applications and a continuous dispatch of completed passports and they say that's happening every day. The spokeswoman added that 45% of adult renewal applications are processed within one to two days meaning 55% present a problem and I I will stop there and say she's spot on I'm actually surprised that's only 45% of adult renewal I thought it would even have been higher because certainly anyone that contacts us that has a straight forward application to do a renewal of a passport and they do it online lots and lots of people are saying saying that you're, you're dead right one to two days we've heard of so many people applied on a Monday and Wednesday and Thursday in through the letterbox comes their new passport that's for the straightforward ones it's the paper based ones and the first applications that are causing the problems the department say it has issued more passports this year than in the same period before the pandemic. More than half a million Irish citizens documents have been issued so far in 2022 whereas in 2019 pre-pandemic they issued 420,000 and more than a half a million have been issued so far and where are we at? We're only coming towards the end of May. Nonetheless there is a delay for 195,000 applications believed to be a record number and the department has stressed that the Passport Online Service is the fastest way to apply and it is, absolutely it is but if you have to send in all of the paper-based information if it's a first-time application then you can't use Passport Online. Online renewal applications are processed four times faster than paper renewal applications so please Use the online where you can. Don't go through the paper-based one if you can do everything online. And I know Emer Higgins, she is a TD, a Fine Gael TD in Dublin. She was speaking during the week and she was saying Passport Express, the actual term and the use of Passport Express should be dumped because she said it's actually misleading the public. Because if you've got a paper-based application through Passport Express, it says that it should be done between 10 and 15 days. It's actually taking eight weeks, whereas if you do it online, it's between 10 and uh, 15 days. Now, the issue is, as I mentioned, certainly going to dominate parliamentary party meetings this week because, as I say, TDs all over the country are getting complaints in from their constituents, many of them desperate to get away on a foreign holiday, their first foreign holiday after two pandemic uh, summers children's first time passports are taking around 40 days because they're the ones that require all of the extra checks and they are longer still if somebody opts to go through Passport Express I would be avoiding Passport Express uh, certainly now there's also a major drive on at, at the moment by the Department of Foreign Affairs to increase staff levels and that's something that I think they should have been doing many, many months ago because we've been talking about delays with passports certainly since the back end of last year. They've decided now they are going to increase the staff levels by about half and they're hoping that will 
get through the nearly 200,000 people that are waiting. The number of officials handling applications, it's expected will rise to 900 to 600 there at the moment. Applications that are correctly completed are being processed by the Passport Service. They say within the average turnaround times, even though we've heard from people to say they had everything correct in that the Passport Office didn't come back to them for anything. They didn't query anything and there were still excessive delays for some uh, families. They say since March, the Passport Service has has reduced the turnaround time for first-time passports. They say with fully correct applications, they say it was 40 days. They reckon now it's down to 30 days if you've got everything in. All the I's dotted, T's crossed, everything that they require, photograph is correct, that everything should be OK. But I see one of our own local TDs, Fianna Falls, um, Andreas Moynihan, quoted in the paper. He's urging the department to look in some way at streamlining the passport uh, service, particularly for the first-time applicants. And they reckon there's 88,000 first-time applicants in the system at the moment waiting to be processed. He says delays can, ar- can arise when the passport office is unable to verify guardian forms for a first-time applicant, which, of course, has to be stamped and signed in a local guard station. Now, we raised this with independent councillor Declan Hurley in West Cork. He drew our attention to this probably about two to three weeks ago. And Andreas Moynihan is raising the same issue. He says when the passport office is not able to verify the form, the application then is sent back. And this is causing huge stress for families and huge uh, delays. Um, he was saying one guard the station that he's aware of was getting up to 13 calls per hour and he said this was the lower end of the spectrum compared to other Garda stations. They were getting them from the passport office because what happens is the application goes in. You've gone down to the Garda station. The Garda has verified that the person in the photograph is who it is. They sign the back of it. It goes into this passport book, which is logged in the Garda station. You send everything off to the passport office. I was unaware of what happens at that point, but the passport office then has to ring the Garda station to say, can you check the book and is this name in blah, blah, blah. The Garda verifies it is and then the, the passport can be processed. But if the passport office rings the Garda station and as we pointed out, if it is a Garda station that's not manned, 24-7 and if the passport office rings at a time where there's nobody to take the call then guess what happens that particular form is being sent back to families to say you've got to get somebody else to sign it and it's causing massive upset to families particularly ones who have holidays booked and are waiting to get away with their children um, so Andreas Moynihan is saying he's he has suggested could there be another way around it like he's simple enough solution he suggests could be used could there be a daily email from Garda stations to verify applications because he said the time it takes to get a passport now is causing a lot of stress for people who are planning to travel and certainly maybe it could be done by email I don't know but is that a sim- it, do- it does sound like a very easy e- easy way of doing it but I suppose each individual passport has to be checked and you've got to work out which guard the station it is so the easiest way is to pick up the phone and ring them but could they somehow centralise it so that it would be an email so that a guard the station each guard the station then would get an email at the start of the day to say these are the passports we're working on today can you verify that A, B, C and D did come in 
and it is contained in the passport book it would be great if it could be simplified uh, like that so at least it's a suggestion to try and do something to speed up the process but the advice remains if you are planning on travelling this year do not book a holiday until you've got everyone in the family everyone's passport in your paw in your hand before you actually book your flights 0818 103 103 uh, Michael says Hi Patricia I applied online on Friday Friday night for my passport. Tuesday morning, it was through the letterbox. All week we are celebrating Cork's first ever Sky Shop, which is opening tomorrow on the ground floor at the Mahon Point uh, Shopping Centre. And to celebrate on Friday, one of our listeners will win the ultimate home cinema package. It's worth €2,000. It's got a projector with the projector screen. There's a home cinema sound system. So you'll really feel like you're at the movies inside in your own uh, sitting room and Sky are also throwing in a €100 worth of vouchers so you can check out the latest movies on Sky. Later today I'll play a clip from a show that we have selected from the Sky store and I will give you two possible answers to what the show might be and then you'll be texting in the correct answer. We'll get a qualifier today by text our WhatsApp app and that person's name then will go forward to the draw on uh, Friday. So stay listening for that as we celebrate the Cork's first ever Sky Shop opening at Mahon Point Shopping Centre tomorrow. Cork today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now this week the ICSA President Pat McCormick said that marriages were suffering as farmers came under increasing pressure to make a profit and some farmers are so addicted to their animals that they're neglecting their wives and children. Cork dairy farmer Peter Hines has been at the forefront of encouraging conversations around mental health in farming. And we've invited Peter to join us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you, Peter. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, always a pleasure to talk to you. Now, the ICSA say that some farmers are in danger of being overwhelmed by increased workloads. Mm. And then you add to that the rising costs. So there's a financial strain uh, as well. Working every hour that God, God sends is not the answer, is it? Certainly not, Patricia. I think uh, and it's one of the key things about agriculture is that working hours are, I suppose, longer than uh, than most other jobs. But uh, ultimately, you know, we as farmers need to learn to manage our working day and to to prioritise the fact that there has to be a life outside farming and that we need to take time away from the job. It's it's one of the main things with mental mental well being is that you know you can't always be be working. That uh, is take time out, spend time with family, friends, trying to get a bit of exercise too, and uh, ultimately it keeps us in a better frame of mind for when pressure does come on. You know, on the farm and with finances, etc. Yeah, and I suppose you know, as in farming, you're your own boss, so there's no set time to begin work. But at the other end, there's no set time to stop work. So you you almost have to structure it yourself. Do, is, 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 is that what you're saying? Oh, 100%. And I think, you know, for a lot of us farmers, and, and, and I speak to a lot of farmers around the country you now who are, who are uh, struggling from time to time, and I think there's a kind of a, a shame if you finish work at five o'clock in the evening, like that you're nearly taking a half day. But, I mean, that's... 
that's the way we need to be running our businesses these days. And yes, there are extremely busy times on the farm for ourselves. We're just finished first cut silage and we were working longer hours than than normal. But now it's time to take a step back and, and, and take a bit of time to you know, finish earlier in the evening and uh, you know take a few hours after in the day. And it's each and every one of us can structure our days to do that. And myself and Paula regularly take time away from the farm too. Like we we'll just go away full stop because I I know if I'm at home, I can't switch off. It's there's always something happening on the farm or something to be done where if I just go away for two or three days, forget about the farm, I come back in a better frame of mind. And mm. I think it's great. It's important for a relationship too that, uh, you know, it, the farm doesn't come first. That ultimately, you know, your relationship mm. has to come first and, when, uh, and that only benefits the farm if nothing else. Yeah, because I, I mean, I, I follow both yourself and Paula on social media and I always love the fact that, you know, you, you, you do date nights, for example. I mean, and, and that's important, isn't it? I mean, g- getting away is, is brilliant. But just even to say once a month or whatever it is, we're going to go away, we're going to go and have a nice meal or go to the cinema, just to do something that takes you completely away from the farm. Oh, 100%. Like, um, Paul and myself, you know, if you go back 10, 15 years ago, like we were divas, like we wouldn't, uh, we didn't prioritise life like that where I guess it's something that we've learned to do and even in the busiest times of the year, you know, we'll set aside one day in the month, e- evening in the month where we just get away from the farm, get out of the wellies and the overalls and, and go and do something fun together. And I think I think it's very important, but even when you're busy too, it gives you something to look forward to that, you know, if you have a hectic week, right, we're going out for dinner or going to the cinema or going to a concert or whatever on Thursday night and it gives you something to focus yeah, on. That yeah, it's, yeah. You're not just, you know, it's not just That's a, a good constant point. That's a good ahead. point. And that will keep you going during because there will obviously be very busy times where you can't knock off at, at half five uh, every day. But has it always been the case that farmers just work long, excessive hours? I mean, or, or is it worse now, do you think? I think it's always been a part of farming life. Even I would talk to a lot of young farmers that would have gone home farming and that they're going to fa- home farming with a parent and uh, the, the parent and predominantly the father kind of uh, can't see this. Uh, they're, they're finishing work at half five or six o'clock in the evening because it wasn't done before. Where now they need to, you know. I guess there's more pressure and regulation comes on farming, farming now, and more financial pressure as well. It's even more important now to to take time away. A lot of industries, Peter, are finding it hard to get workers. Is it very much the same for farmers? I mean, is is it difficult when you need additional people to come on the farm to help you? Is it hard to find that labour? It can be. Uh, and that's, that's not lying. Uh, but I think, you know, if you're adamant about structuring your life and structuring work life, you will always find someone that's... Uh, you know, and and I guess for us as farmers too, like the priority on us is when we do find relief staff that we look after them, you know, financially. That it's not kind of a minimum wage job because if you if you want time off the farm, you have to pay for it, but you have to value put a value on that for yourself too. That uh, the farm still needs to operate, and you know you you can't 
put in an incompetent person or put in someone to, uh, and not be willing to pay them when you know you know it's a serious business that you're leaving them in charge of. That's a very that's a, a really really valid uh, point, and many people, Peter, I think, will be unaware of just how high the suicide rate is amongst farmers. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess we put a huge emphasis on farm safety um, and reducing the number of lives that we lost to farm accidents. Where, you know, sadly, the, we lose more farmers to suicide than we do to farm accidents. It's something that the industry is aware of, and you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of work to try and improve that. UCD are doing a big study at the moment, uh, which. The, the, uh, to, see, to see what measures we can put in place uh, to reduce farmer suicide and, and for earlier intervention. But I guess because this job is so isolated and mm. predominantly a male-dominated industry that, uh, you know, us, us guys can be... We're bad about sharing our feelings and, and talking about things, but I think it's a message that we need to get out to... To farmers and, and to young people coming into the industry, like that, you know, there's always someone willing to listen. There's always someone there to help, to support, and you know, not even, I guess, from a counselling perspective, but even you know, from a financial and advisory perspective, that you know, the, the banks and uh, Chagask and, and other agricultural advisors, they're aware of that situation in farming and if a farmer does say look you know I, I need support and I need help and I need to figure this out that people will r- rally around and uh, and help and as well as that the uh, dairy processors now carry the Samaritans number on all the milk tankers across Ireland um, just to reach out to rural communities and to get the number 116123 into farmyards into farmers minds that they can pick up the phone but just going back to your original part of the conversation, you know, we need to to really stress that it's so important to to prioritise our mental well-being and taking time off farm and not working ridiculous hours because when you when you do the simple things every day like eating well, sleeping well, you know, making time for family and friends, getting a bit of exercise, and being honest with yourself about how you're feeling. It puts you in a much stronger place when you know, busy times hit the farm. When 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 a, when a crisis hits, that you know you know how uh, how to react to that situation. Yeah, because when when I mentioned you know the high number of suicides, I was unaware that the suicide rate in farming is higher than any other occupation in this country. And it's the same across the world. That's, um, that is shocking. Yeah, it's. Uh, veterinary is extremely high but the agricultural sector is uh, the, the, the statistics and I don't like calling them statistics because they're individuals and they're people and they're, they're families that have been devastated but uh, the numbers are higher right across the world than any other occupation uh, and I think it's something that even the, even the Department of Agriculture and are, are, are aware of and uh, the National Suicide Crisis Response Centre uh, like they through the HSE, they gave the funding to UCD to to undertake that research project. Minister Martin Hayden, his one of his uh, roles is to prioritise farm safety and and well-being in farmers. Um, and the, 
you know, we can never do enough. But likewise, we, you know, we need to get that message into every farmyard in the country that there is always someone willing to listen and to to help and to support. And you know, suicide isn't the answer, but I think us as a community and as an industry, we need to talk about it more and and break down the stigma mm. from the perspective. Like, you know, and, and I'm glad you brought it up this morning, Patricia. Like, if if we as a community are afraid to talk about suicide, and 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 the, and the figures, the suicide figures in farming, well, then someone who's feeling suicidal is not going to feel comfortable about saying that but they are feeling yeah, suicidal. They, they, and they feel they they're on, their, on like. their own, and and you're right. It's it's never the answer, and it is the devastation that is left behind. Yeah, I've spoken to to so many families across Ireland, but across the world that have lost someone to suicide and uh, in the agricultural sector, and you know, it it really, really does devastate the the families. And I guess you know, the nature of farming, the farm has to operate the following day, like, and it's that's that's putting even more pressure on those families that they're trying to come to terms with with grief and loss, but also aware that those livestock to be fed the following yeah, day yeah, and, cows need to and be the milked. following yeah, week and the yeah. following month and yeah yeah you're I mean of course yourself and Paul have run the the Agri Mental Health uh, Week uh, I mean I'm assuming that's happening it's, it's normally around October isn't it yeah we run that the 10th to the 16th of October every year Agri Mental Health Week so yeah. it's uh, well funny done. enough that you're ringing me today Why? I'm up in Belfast speaking oh. at uh, uh, at a conference on mental health for a veterinary society up here. So. Ah, it's, what a coincidence. And then f- financially, I mean, everyone is struggling at the moment, uh, uh, Peter. I take it, you know, for farmers and farm families, trying to simply make ends meet is tough at the moment. It is like, if I, look, I suppose being a dairy farmer, I'm lucky that milk prices uh, gone up accordingly. Um, but like input prices are frightening. You can uh, 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 like our fertilizer has gone up over three hundred percent. Our silage bill has gone up over forty percent for the with the contractor. Uh, you're talking another twenty to thirty percent and up to fifty percent there on meal prices. And I don't think you know for the main inputs like feed and fertilizer, they're going to stay like that for the next twelve months. Um, it's putting a lot more pressure on farmers, but I do see that putting more pressure on the consumer as well because yeah. food inflation Everything's is going a huge up. issue. Yeah, and, yeah. You know, every household in the country is struggling to pay bills. So I suppose it's something that we're not, you know, we're not the only ones in that boat in in in, in the farming community. But I think for any farmer that is feeling real financial pressure, it's about sitting down. You know, with a, with a bank manager or customer relations manager in a bank and an agri advisor, and putting a plan in place and and, and dealing with it because you know it's something that you can't push under the carpet and it's not going to go away. But if you deal with it, the farm can be structured to cope with that situation and to get it moving ahead again. And, yeah, reach uh, out, reach out. Yeah. That's what it's all about. Listen, Peter, we'll speak again. Thank you for that, and uh, best wishes to to Paula and uh, to the girls. And thanks. Thanks a million for joining us on the programme and, and enjoy your trip to Belfast. Thanks, Mel Patricia. Thanks. Wonderful to chat to you. Bye Take bye. Care. Bye bye. That is uh, the wonderful uh, Peter Hines, Cork, well known Cork dairy farmer, 0818 103 103. Bernie, taking your calls. 
Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 0818-103-103. Now, nearly two years on from the crime, a stolen heron has been returned to the town of Cove. It's not a real bird, but it's a beautiful sculpture, which at the time helped launch the Bring Back Our Bird appeal. To fill us in, Hendrik Verway of Cove Tidy Towns uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Hendrik. Good morning, Patricia. Good to know that our bird has returned. And I was an anonymous tip-off, so we won't get into any any of that. But what condition has the poor old heron been found in? Well, structurally, he's fairly sound, but he's a little bit squished looking. So, um, (laughs) yeah, I think a little bit of TLC from Emma Jane Rushworth, who who made him in the first place. And he'll be right as rain and ready to go. And we have a new home and all set up for him. Had you given up all hopes of getting it back? Well, I suppose he'd gone to the back of our minds, to be quite honest, yeah. And um, I suppose when he was he was stolen, um, I suppose we had hope for a while. And then we set about, and we were very lucky that we had some very generous donations that allowed us to get another one made. Um, but that took about a year, you know, between COVID and all sorts going on, and it took a year. So it was about just a year ago that the replacement heron arrived, and we, we enhanced that. The roundabout a little bit more at the time, um, and we're we were actually really happy with it when it was all redone. It was better than it was before, you know. Yeah. I know we. It's we, the, it's, we uh, it's on the it's it, it, I think it's called, is it Velvet Cross? Is the, the roundabout is yeah, called? Yeah, the Velvet Cross roundabout. Yeah, in, 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 in it's, a, it's our only roundabout. If you um, take away the white dot in the middle of the road, yeah, Cove Heritage Centre. <laughs> Sorry, it's our only roundabout. So. Okay, the only roundabout in, in, in Cove. And yeah. it was, and, and if, if my memory serves me rightly, I mean, the, the sculpture, it wasn't long launched when it was, no. when somebody decided to take a hacksaw to it and, 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 and it took it away. And, and, and was it, did Emma Jane then go back and, and re, you went back to Emma Jane for the replacement? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And she came down and she made uh, various enhancements. We added more uh, a greenery, I suppose is the word for it, or, uh, as a border around it and, and, and rearranged everything. We basically started from scratch again with what we had and um, reset it and it looks actually way better than it did the first time out. So I suppose every cloud has a silver lining. That's it. So, and now the original yeah. heron has been returned and you have a plan for it. We do. Um we had a plan all the time. Well, in, in the last six months, we, we came up with a plan that Cove really deserved a garden of reflection. Uh, we're calling it a, a COVID garden of reflection, really as a way, I suppose, to remember those who died, but it's not a memorial garden as such because there was a lot more to COVID then, unfortunately, the people who died. So, you know, there was a great sense of community spirit in Cove and, and in many other towns as well. Um, and, you know, it got us through the pandemic I suppose we, we looked at things a lot, a lot differently, you know, when you could only go your two kilometres or your five kilometres from home, the people of Cove must have thought they landed on a different planet because <laughs> they were so, so lucky, you know, some places wouldn't have any any places to go and Cove had just so much, you know, you could have a different walk every day and, and see something different and, you know, people, I suppose, slow down and all that. So the idea of the COVID Garden of Reflection came, so it's going to be, it's an existing area, it's across the road from St. Coleman's Cathedral. It's a, it's a green area, but nobody goes in there, believe it or not. Okay. Um, the gate is closed. It's not locked, but very, very few people go in there. Um, we have permission from the bishop, who's very enthusiastic about the idea, and, and the parish. Um, so we're going to put paving in there. We're going to put a few seats in there, not, not a whole. It's not going to be a park. It's just going to be somewhere where people can go to, I suppose, take time out. Um, 
We're going to put in lots of planting, sensory planting. We're obviously now going to put in a, a beautiful wire art uh, sculpture. Yeah. Um, and I suppose, you know, one of the things we really want to do, there's lots of inspirational quotes. You could spend your day surfing the internet looking for quotes that, that would have meaning to people in, you know, different times of their lives or whatever. So the garden is going to be, they're going to be scattered around the garden. And I suppose the other thing, you know, the Carinian recitals now going, they're now in their 95th year every every Sunday. So if you come to Cove any Sunday during the summer, you're going to hear the bells being played. Um, and it's a stunning sound. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah. And what they've done, actually another another benefit of COVID is that the, the Carillion Committee applied, I think, to the Heritage Council or the Arts Council, I'm not sure which, but they got a, a fairly substantial grant to upgrade their CCTV. Okay. Um, so now you can go into the cathedral and you go into the left, the old baptistry, and there's a big screen there and you can see the Carillion most times it's Adrian Gabrores, but lots of times there's there's guests, uh, people come from around the world to play. So you can see them playing and it's quite amazing to see them playing, but you can hear them playing. And I think next next stage as well is that they can, um, they're going to live stream I was just going well. to say, I was just going to suggest that would be wide open for live streaming. Yeah, because there's been some amazing, um, Adrian, I suppose, he's, he's not, really that far up in Twitter but his family are and, and they go up to the bell tower with him and they, they take videos of him and one of the ones that he took was playing the Ukrainian National Anthem and that I suppose it, it almost went viral on Twitter it got some amazing number of views yeah. um, you know so it's a really interesting thing so that's bringing Cove to a worldwide audience Yeah and it's, it's spellbinding to watch them in action Yeah and I suppose another very interesting remember Larry and Hardy came to Cove yeah, in yeah, the 50s yeah. and um, Adrian's father Staff Cabrera played their signature tune on the bells and it, <laughs> it really affected the two guys and um, that somebody would you know go out of their way to, to create a welcome like that and the people of Cove were out in their droves as well obviously um, to come down and see the men who I suppose yeah. were at the twilight of their career but uh, next year there's a convention a Larry and Hardy convention um, in Cove next September um, and it's basically on the strength of, of that um, few minutes Carillion recital back in the 1950s you know the, it's had such a lasting legacy that it's, it's bringing a, an event of that scale to Cove next year That's brilliant That's brilliant Back to your garden your reflection garden when do you have it? hope to have it open? Well hopefully the, the contractor is arriving on site this, this week Oh as so, quick as that Okay Yeah <laughs> So we don't. We don't. You don't rest on your laurels in Cove. No, no, no. So the heron, goodness me, the heron could not have come back at a more perfect time. Absolutely. We just need to get this heron up to up to hospital in in Greystones, up to Emma Jane, and she do work her magic on it and bring it Was, back. By, by the way, I'm assuming somebody rang to say that bring back our birds has worked. The bird has returned. Was she thrilled? <laughs> was she thrilled to hear that she'd found she was it? Delighted. Was I think she delighted. Yeah, 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 she was, and uh, she, she was a bit distraught the first time when when she heard the news because I suppose like any artist, you put your heart and soul into into a project. Um, so that that was I suppose particularly disheartening for her at the time, but yeah. you know, um, and. Just as, as she was completing the second one, her workshop burnt down, literally oh. to the ground. So she has, you know, saved the bird, the new bird from the ashes as well. So there's lots of stories from this heron. That's, it's, it's, and of course, Cove, we associate with cruise ships and we've been talking about them a few times on the programme. They're back. They are. They're back with a bang. Um, like as if they had never been, to be quite yeah. honest. Um, really busy. 
a really great atmosphere around the town, pubs buzzing. You know, buses do come and take passengers away, but what people don't realise is if the buses didn't take passengers away, well, then that's the actual reason that the cruise ships come into Cove in the first place is, is to get some more revenue from the passengers. You know, they, they pay to go on an excursion. Mm. Um, but I suppose people need to know that, you know, just half of the passengers would go on an excursion at all. Um, most of the excursions are half day. So that gives the other half of a day for people to explore Cove or Cork or wherever. Um, and I think people are really getting a, a taste of Ireland as well. You know, they mightn't have been to Ireland before on a cruise, but they're literally getting, you know, a little bit of a snapshot of what you could come back and see on a more leisurely basis. And, and we should never forget that as well. You know, that this is really... It, it, it's kind of an advertisement for what Ireland has. Yeah, that, and it's um, the same with all cruise ships, no matter where they go in the world. That's exactly what it is. It's like a little taster of all the different places where, where the cruise ship docks. Listen, Henrik, we leave it there. Thank you for that. And you, um, uh, you sound like you're looking forward to a busy summer in Cove and there's nowhere nicer to be for sure on a summer's day. Listen, thanks for that. We'll chat again, Hendrik, but thanks for joining us. Thank you, Patricia. Good morning to you. That is Hendrik Verway of Cove Tidy Towns on the return of the Heron. 0818103103. Bernie is taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862103103. Let me catch up with some of your calls and comments that have come into the programme. Firstly, let's stay with the whole thing to do with tickets and concerts and people so looking forward to getting back out to seeing concerts at this year. We've, we've been stuck of them since the start of the pandemic. A listener says, Hi Patricia, I bought David Gray tickets just before the pandemic. Obviously, the David Gray concert was cancelled. It's coming up in a few weeks' time. I'm just wondering, would anybody know if I can go ahead and just use the original tickets or do I have to do anything? I've tried to contact Ticketmaster, but I can't get through. Can you help me, please? So what I did for you was I checked out MCD. They are the promoters for David Gray. It's the White Ladder, the 20th anniversary tour that is now probably the 22nd anniversary uh, tour. And they say that for the rescheduled, these are the rescheduled shows. All original tickets remain valid. And I'm assuming you've got tickets for the Musgrave Park one in Cork on Saturday, the 18th of uh, June. Um, but also the original tickets remain valid. I think there's still tickets on sale for us. There's a tiny few, I imagine, left for us. But your original ticket remains valid. You don't have to do anything at all. Just turn up and more than anything, enjoy the gig. And I'm assuming if you've hung on to your tickets since before the pan- pandemic, you are a David Gray fan. So you'll be quite excited about going along there. Uh, enjoy. OK, and then Nora, it wasn't Nora, who was it? It was Mary. Mary in Kilavolum was on to say, could you find out, is the boil water notice... Uh, still in place for the Kilavolan area where we've checked in on the Irish Water their web their website and they say the boiling no- water notice for Kilavolan water supply remains in place it was put in place on the 2nd of May and it remains in place. The boil water notice was put in place due to high levels of tuberty in the borehole supply, causing the Kilavolum Water Treatment Plant to shut down. Irish Water Cork and Council continue to work to rectify the issue at Kilavolum Water Treatment Plant with a view to lifting the notice as quickly as possible. But it remains in place. So it is still there. Mary, continue to boil your water, please. And then I mentioned about driving licence earlier and how we were helping out she 
who was having a problem trying to renew her driving licence online and the RSA had been most helpful to our Sheila and they're sending her off to the Mallow office in order to sort out her driving licence. Well, Nora heard me mention that and she was on to say, to say, Patricia, the people that work in the driving licence office in Mallow are so friendly and helpful they couldn't be nicer and Nora you're not the first to say that whenever we have occasion uh, that people have to go in to get their driving licence in this centre and I remember I went there a few years ago myself yeah and they are beyond friendly and beyond helpful so good to hear that you obviously have been in there lately and you got sorted as well thank you for taking time out to text us this morning what else is coming into us on text there was a couple of people then reacting to the piece that we did with Peter Hines and this is to do with farmers and the pressure that farmers are under at the moment and how they really are struggling and Peter of course we invited Peter on because Peter Hines is well known for the work that he does with agri-mental health and you know that shocking statistic to hear that of all of the professions I just thought it was in this country but he said it's worldwide of all of the different professions there are more suicides amongst farmers than any other profession and that's just really really sad and it's the devastation that is left behind and farmers are putting themselves under immense pressure at the moment because obviously every industry is struggling and you know cost of doing business has gone up all the time and for some farmers they think you know the only way out is to work every hour that God sends and they just do not take time out for themselves or they do not take time out for their families and the ICSA who were talking about this yesterday on the paper they were saying like marriages will go because of this because farmers are just completely neglecting wives completely neglecting children and you know everyone suffers then at the end of it so farmers just have to somehow learn to get that switch button that off button where they take time out and they just take time out to look after themselves and to look after those closest to them a couple of people reacting on that including Paul who says there are large dairy farmers there are some large dairy farmers who are only slaves to the landowners they're renting the land from it's a race to the bottom with all of this intensive farming look at the crisis that the pig sector is in the dairy farmers are heading in the same direction lowering the stock rates and relax says Paul that's what needs to be done and uh, John uh, was also on talking about the nitrates derogation that's allowed large intensive farmers to get even more intensive and in the process John feels that they are destroying the family run farm he's also fearful that they compromise water quality and the environment in the process with all these dairy cows and then he says importing all this fertiliser and grain from far flung places like Brazil and then having to export 90% of what we produce simply does not make sense so much from our, for our carbon footprint says John so I'm assuming you're saying John we should be producing everything here and feeding our own first before we start to export and also what was else in on uh, farming after the milk quotas is some Dermot by WhatsApp after the milk quota was removed a lot of farmers lost the run of themselves according to Dermot increasing cow numbers and now they have a huge amount of extra work with no help you can make a living from 70 cows and also have a life and have a good time at the same time says uh, Dermot and I suppose that's adding to the strain if farmers did expand and they were advised to expand and then I touched on it with Peter because we have a problem in a lot of industries getting people to work and farmers 
are no different. They're finding it hard if they need to get in additional workers. The workers are just not there. And a lot of, the, uh, I was reading a piece where a lot of the people who would normally have traditionally done work, seasonal work on farms, a lot of them have gone into the building sector because, of course, there's a huge demand within the building sector. But that's left a hole then for the farmers who are looking for seasonal workers. The seasonal workers are not there. And that's then adding to the strain of the farmer who's already under pressure and, you know, working every hour that God uh, sends. So Dermot reckons maybe some farmers need to downsize that that possibly could be a solution. Thank you for your text, uh, Dermot. Then Heidi was on. When we, when we talk about the cost of living and everything going up, a lot of it goes back to the cost of fuels because, as you know, as we've pointed out so many times on this, this program, we live on an island, so everything comes with a cost to get it out and then to move it around the island and therefore fuel costs go up, the transportation costs go up, go up and the knock-on effect is we all pay more for our uh, goods and services. Heidi said she was reading an article and she sent it on to me. I have it there somewhere, but uh, she was reading an article about the cost of rising fuel and the prices in the UK. And it has forced the public to sign a petition that are now forcing the MPs in Parliament in the UK to debate the issue of the rising fuel prices. Maybe it would be a good idea to petition our government to do the same thing. Fuel prices are a joke. It's not fair to drivers and to uh, hauliers. And we've had, well, I suppose the government will say they've tried. They've already reduced somewhat the excise duty on fuel and I I quickly read through that article that Heidi Heidi sent a link on during News at 11 and what they seem to be looking for in the UK is they want the excise duties to be reduced by 40% but what was interesting in the article was that petition had actually started in 2020 it's kind of around the time of the start of the pandemic or they were into the pandemic at that stage they started that petition because fuel prices were rising and then of course who could have predicted that there was going to be a war in Ukraine, which is three months ago today. I still can't get my head around that it's already three months since Putin decided to invade the Ukraine. And that obviously has had a knock-on effect on fuel prices. But in the UK, that's what the, the the initial petition was to ask the government to reduce excise duty by 40%. But it would be, I imagine, if you went back to the people that signed the petition back in 2020, they would probably say that they would want that to be even lower than 40% to try to do something for the people with rising fuel costs. So, you know, it isn't, I suppose the point is, it isn't, we're not, it's not just here in Ireland that we have rising fuel costs. Uh, unfortunately, it is a worldwide phenomenon directly linked to what's going on in Ukraine. 0818103103. And hi, Patricia, I was listening to your chat about passport applications earlier on the programme. I have no internet, so therefore I had no choice. I had to go with the paper application through Passport Express. Now, they asked me to send in my mother's birth cert as my mother was born in Ireland. I was born in the UK, but I'm now applying for an Irish passport. They wrote back again and said, could you send in your mother's birth cert, please? I did send it in and then they sent it back to me as usual. Then I got another letter to say, will you send in your mother's birth cert? It happened again and again. Uh, they, I, every time they asked me to send it in, I sent it off and then they duly sent it back and they'd be back again looking for it. Uh, that's not making any sense, is it? Anyway, they finally wrote to me to say that the six month deadline had expired. So they returned everything and I have to start the process from scratch. 
I now have applied to renew my UK passport as this is simply a joke. I do have a phone number, but I imagine if you read it out, I'm sure their phone lines will will light up. It's a Dublin number, which will keep on file if anybody is looking to try to get through to the passport office. But it's interesting listening to other people's problems too, uh, thanking you. Well, I know what we've done in the past. I mean, that just, the mind boggles as to what was going on with your application. And that slightly frustrates me and annoys me because the Department of Foreign Affairs are insisting that there isn't a backlog and they're blaming forms haven't been filled in correctly or people haven't sent in the correct literature. And yet you're telling me in your text, you sent in exactly what they asked for. They obviously verified your mother's birth cert, sent it back. Then it got passed down the line and somebody else started looking at your application and saying, oh, the mother's birth cert isn't in it and you need to keep sending it back. I mean, to me, you, you would send in your mother's original birth cert. It would then be photocopied, clipped onto your paper application so that the next person who deals with it can see you did send in your original mother's birth cert. It's not making any sense that they keep asking for it again and again and again. And every time you send it in, they keep sending it back. Thanks a million. We'll process your application. And then... This goes on for six months and now you're told you've got to start from scratch. That's really, really frustrating. And and yet on paper, if the Department of Foreign Affairs are looking at what's causing a problem, they will look at your application and say, ah, well, it was incomplete. The mother's birth search to prove that you were Irish isn't in it. And yet it was in it on day one, but they kept sending it back and you kept sending it into them. So I can understand why you are so, so frustrated uh, with that one. But whenever we get similar stories to that, and in your case, you can at least renew your UK passport. So if you, if you want to travel, but for other people who don't have that option, we have have sent people on to our public representatives who are no, and we shouldn't have to do that. Get TDs and councillors are doing great work as well. They have enough work to be doing, but they do seem. I know. I don't know if it's the same with councillors. I must get that checked. But I know with TDs, they're allowed. I, I think it's daily. They're allowed so many phone calls. They think they have a dedicated line into the passport office, and they can do so many queries each day to say, could you look into this? Could you look into this? Could you look into this? And certainly we have heard back from people that a local TD has then helped somebody to move the process on a little bit. It shouldn't have to come to that. It absolutely shouldn't have to come to that. We elect our representatives to run the country or to run the council, not to be trying to sort out our passport issues. But uh, when needs must, needs must. And that's certainly what we have been uh, doing. But that's, yeah, sounds really, really frustrating. Uh, Thank you for your text. And... uh, Good luck. Well, you shouldn't, hopefully you won't have any problem renewing your UK passport, but maybe try again with your Irish one and maybe you'll have more luck the next time. 0818 103 103. Our lines are open. C103 Jobs. With Munster Technological University, enhance your career prospects with MTU's range of full-time, part-time and professional courses. Succeeding together with MTU.ie. An admin assistant is required for the Cork Sexual Health Centre CVs, please, to supervisor at cccg.ie. St Finbar's Cathedral in Cork, they're looking for a tour guide and a shop assistant and a full training will be provided. CVs, please, to the supervisor. Same website address, uh, supervisor at cccg.ie. A childminder wanted for a one-year-old and a four-year-old. And it's two days per week and it's in the Drumahan area. The job starts in August 087 092 
9902. And HB Ice Cream are looking for a relief sales driver with a sea licence. And also they're looking for some seasonal merchandisers. Imagine if you have a love of ice cream. It's a perfect job for you. Contact Tim at 87 7708433. You'll find all details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103 I have to say that has been the biggest reaction to a competition I have seen in a long, long time. I thought the text message machine in front of me was going to blow up. And then when I checked in with a WhatsApp, there was double the amount of WhatsApp. All the names of everybody who heard the two Elton John songs that we played, Cold Heart, along with Dua Lipa. And then the second one was Sorry Seems to Be the Hardest Word. Everybody's name went into a hat and we allowed Bernie to select our qualifier for today. And I am told I need to go to Trish Howick, who is in Middleton. Good morning to Trish. How are you, Patricia? Well, how are you, how are you today? I am very good. Better, all the better now. Now, I have to ask you this, and, and I really need a positive answer on this. Are you an Elton John fan? I love him. Do you? Do you? Love him, yeah. All about three years and years and years. Yeah, yeah. And have you ever seen him live before? No, never, no. I saw him a number of years ago in the marquee and he is just incredible. He just has a great way about him. Oh, he's fantastic. So you'll be one of the ones who will be able to sing all the words of the songs, will you? I will, I will. <laughs> and I'll brush up on it. <laughs> now, are you free on the 17th of June? Would you be able to go to Liverpool for us? I would. Would you, yeah. Uh, would you I would. St- would you stay for two nights if we gave you a oh, hotel? Oh, definitely. Would you, yeah. And uh, you'd have dinner and uh, they, there's even a few drinks. You might have a glass of something, would you? Oh, I might, I might. <laughs> now, who would you bring if you if you win the prize? Oh, I bring my hobby. Ah. Now, is hobby, yeah. is hobby an Elton John fan? He is. Is he? he is. Okay. We're the old stock. I, uh, that's the problem. If one loves them and the other person doesn't, you'll be dragging him along. But if he's a fan as well, well, well done. Yes. And uh, you can sit back now and relax and you don't have to worry about listening out for any more Elton John songs. Even though if you're a fan, you'll be enjoying listening to all the Elton John songs. But you have qualified and you're forward to the draw. Congratulations, Trish. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank good, you a million. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Uh, Trish Howick, usual name, isn't it, from Middleton, who is our today's qualifier. Well, not today's qualifier. She's the qualifier on this programme because I can see, I have the list in front of me, I can tell you there's going to be two more qualifiers today. So there are two more opportunities for you to listen out and to hear Elton John tracks you have to hear two songs, though. That's the important thing to remember. It's two songs played back to back and you don't start texting or WhatsApping until the second song starts to play and then all the names uh, go into the cha- into the hat and your chance to win. You go to see him in Liverpool on the 17th of June and then Porky Creeve on the 1st of July. And it is all uh, thanks uh, to 
Blackpool shopping district. No gimmicks, no notions, no paid parking, just shopping. It's what they do best. Now, our lines are open at 0818 103 103 and Bernie uh, continues to take your calls. But moving on with the programme, a veteran Ukrainian journalist who fled war to Ireland and is now living outside Castletown Roach uh, with his wife and children has helped to organise a photographic exhibition here in Cork and it's to highlight the devastating impact of the Russian invasion on his country. To talk more about this photographic exhibition, I'm joined by Yevgeny uh, Ickelson. Uh, good morning to you, Yevgeny. Yeah, good morning. Uh, nice to hear you. Well, it's lovely to talk to you as well. Now, the exhibition is entitled Ukraine, the Cost of Freedom. Are you hoping, Yevgeny, that it would give people some kind of an insight into what is happening in your native country? You know, uh, what, what I read now in most of the papers in Ireland, uh, there are only quite positive news about the war and, you know, refugees are coming and they, they will happy in Ireland. That is also true. And also the uh, people in, today, I read in Irish independence and people in Odessa are going to the beach because it's sunny and it's hot. But in fact, the situation is really tense and situation is unclear. And what we have on the front line is totally devastating. We have uh, around 600 kilometers. The front line is around 10 kilometers long. And the constant fighting is going on day and night. And actually, uh situation is even worse than two months ago, I think. So the photos we, we brought to Ireland... Uh, it's very good to to understand the scale of the atrocities that are going on in the, in Ukraine right now. It's the biggest war since since 1945, since, since Second World War, biggest war in Europe. And what is going on is totally devastating, you know. Yeah, it's dreadful. Who took the photographs? Um, there are photos of ten uh, famous photographers that are working on the front line from the very first days of the war. So and, the, uh, these are Ukrainian photographers. Who eight, of them are, eight of them are Ukrainians eight. and two of them are one from Czech Republic and another one I really I, I cannot say right now but also foreigner. foreigner. So uh, it all, do you know yesterday there was a rating of the most the biggest influencers in the world and there were three Ukrainians in this top store of the Time magazine. So there is one lady, the chief editor of the biggest Ukrainian website, Tevgil Musayeva, and uh, he, that website gave us the right to represent all the photos. Brilliant, brilliant. And, and, to, and to let people see photographs that have been taken on the ground at the heart of what is going on. And these are photographers and, and the journalists that are reporting they're putting their lives at risk, Yevgeny, aren't they, to take those photographs and to do that yeah. reporting? Um, yes, actually, uh, I lost one friend who was a photographer at this war, and I lost one friend who was a photographer at previous war in Ukraine, previous war in, in 2014. So it is to be a photo, photographer on the front line. It's really dangerous. And, you know, I think we lost already seven journalists uh, from the beginning of the, this conflict in February. 
this yeah, stage of yeah. the conflict. In, so it, in, it, it including including a, uh, one of our own, a photographer, I can't remember the gentleman's name, there was a photographer from Dublin was, was killed out there in the early days yeah. uh, as, uh, as well. Is it very hard for you, Yevgeny, to look at the devastation that is occurring in your homeland? Uh, you know, as for me, uh, it was something what we expected. What I expected because there, uh, the behavior of Russia and Russian army is always the same. So they are destroying everything to the Stone Age. Uh, as they, they are doing this everywhere in the world where, where they are uh, in, involved to the conflict. So it was something quite expected. But for the majority of Ukrainians, it is absolute shock. Uh, we never expected, okay, we are not very good with the Russians for many years, but we never, they never expected that there should be such a scale of, of the uh, uh, this devastation that is going on right now. Yeah, the scale, the scale of the war. And you, yeah. as a journalist, Yevgeny, you've covered war before. I, I, I mean, in, in Chechnya and in, in Georgia. But is this what's happening today? Is it on a different level? Uh, you know, the level of destruction in Chechnya is same. Uh, it was same. So the, just the Chechnya Republic is just the only small republic with the one million uh, people, the population of it was one million before the war. Now it's, I think, around 700,000. So around 200,000 people fled from Chechnya, and probably we don't know the exact number, maybe 60,000 were killed during two conflicts there. So the level of destruction was the same, just the scale of you know the country is smaller. And what's now going on means that Russian army uh, got stronger in the last 20 years. They had a, enormous profits from oil and gas, and they put all this profit not to the people, but to the uh, to build their army. You know that uh, Russia has more tanks and uh, infantry carriers uh, than the whole NATO, yeah. than all the countries of NATO. Yeah, so that's, just yeah, that's what they spent their money on in, instead of, as you say, uh, spending it on, on on the people. Tell me a little bit about the exhibition and as best you can, can you describe some of the photographs to us? Uh, for example, uh, there is a, when I'm there, so sometimes I, I, I'm also uh, sitting there and explaining to the people that we have Ukrainians every day. So someone is right now is in, in St. Peter's Cork to be there and to explain that people who come uh, about the photos. And for me, I always just explain in the photo where people are sitting in the metro station in the carriage, so inside the train, uh, some children with their uh, toys. So during the first days, there were many airstrikes in Kiev, and the people, this uh, the, the metro, the Kiev underground was stopped. And the people take, were taking shelter inside the metro. And, but Ukrainian underground is the deepest underground in the world. So if you go down, you can sit there, you know, if, even if the nuclear war is started. Some stations are, stations are more than 100 meters deep. So many people were even slept in the metro during the airstrikes, end of February and uh, beginning of March. 
So that is, there is a photo that shows how people spending time in, in inside the metro. Maybe you, you remember that Bono gave a... I do. A co- I do. Gave he gave a concert, a concert down in the in metro. The underground. Yeah, so yeah. Now, now there, are, uh, there, is, there are not so many airstrikes in Kiev, so metro is operating a little, and it's possible to make a concert. But if, in the very first days of the war, it was crowded with people that were sleeping, even sleeping there. They were scary to go back to their apartment. So some of the photographs are hi- are highlighting are highlighting yes. that. And just to remind people, where it's St Peter's on North Main Street, and it's yeah. it's open every day except Sunday, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's open every day uh, from 10, 10, 10 a.m. to four thirty p.m. Uh, except Sundays till thirtieth of May. So it's the last week. It's the last week. And what do you then hope to do with the exhibition, Yevgeny? Uh, we will uh, uh, disassemble it back, and uh, we will in July we have a venue in Dublin, and we will move it there to make an exhibition there, and probably in between if there are some places that can that want to sh- to make uh, exhibition. I mean, in every anywhere in Ireland, we can bring it to, to any place. Yeah, you you want people to see these pictures. And yeah, it is also quite... I'm trying I'm trying to encourage people in different countries. Ukrainians that now are everywhere and you know, no New Zealand, Australia. We are trying to make this everywhere in the world. We have photos, we have, we have inspiration <laughs> and so we just any country you just need some money to print and to have a place to show the pictures, yeah. And that's what we what I gonna do. It's very important to have some, you know, people who came from the war country, they have an inspiration. They are uh, in very bad mood, actually. So we are trying to make us make them together to do something together, to, to have an inspiration to, you know, to say to the world that we are not dying. We, are, we will contribute to the future of the Europe, to the future of Europe. We are not... Uh, only victims. We are something uh, more. We can inspire people. We can inspire ourselves. Well, I think you something for our country. Well, I think the resilience of the Ukrainian people has has shown. Uh, it's it's been amazing. I think it's the one thing everybody talks talks about from from your president. Uh, Valensky right the way down to those unfortunate soldiers that were caught in the steelworks in, in Mariupol. The, the resilience yeah. is, is, is just incredible. And your own story, uh, Yevgeny, how and why did you decide to come to Ireland and how did you end up just outside Castletown Roach? Uh, you know, we've been out of the country when war started and we, we, were, st- and we were staying one month where we've been to Turkey and we stayed one month in Turkey. Then we decided to to go somewhere because the situation was really tense at that, at that, at that very moment. And we uh, chose Ireland because, you know, me and my wife, we speak English, you know, not so good, but... Well, your English is... It's, ex- uh, it's, it's excellent. It's excellent. And did you have any any contacts here, any friends here? We have a friend who suggested us to contact to volunteers and finally we found a place to stay and uh, and then we came to Ireland and we are staying in Castletown Roche for almost two months. And you have two small children? 
Yeah, two and a half and five and a half. The f- uh, five and a half year old going to school? Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's going to school. And how is he getting on? He, he's picking up English now and uh, every day by day he's becoming better with English. So it, that's what, I'm, what I like. That uh, When we came here, he didn't speak at all and now he's speaking very well. That's brilliant. You know, yeah. to, he's only two months here and he's he can say something and he knows many words. So I'm happy with it. Yeah, ch- children are great to pick up. Um, yeah. la- la- and and your wife is here. She's also a journalist. And did I read somewhere, is your mother-in-law with you as well? Yep, yep. All right, She's so. also here. And But yet, I'm assuming you still have family in, um, in yes, Ukraine. Uh, I have I have only my mother. Uh, she's only she's now out of Ukraine also. Great. And uh, my wife, yeah, she has a lot of relatives in Ukraine. And you know how it happened. So people from east of Ukraine, they they are moving towards west, and some of them moving out, and now some of them coming back. So it's a big movement of people. And my mother, for example, is two times refugee. So she, maybe I'm from Donetsk originally, and uh, Donetsk was taken by Russians eight years ago. So my mo- I wasn't there at the time, but my mother uh, was a refugee, and now he's second time refugee in in eight years. So that's, that's how hard. we live. That's hard. And where where is where is your mother? What country is in she? Poland. She's in Poland. All right, it's it really is tough. It's just a tough, shocking situation, and it's three months today since the invasion started. Yep. I mean, when it started, I think most of us not, I suppose, understanding war and understanding what Russia were capable of. Most of us thought, Yevgeny, that this will be over in a few weeks time. You know, this man will see sense and he'll stop doing what he's doing. And yet, do you get any sense that the war is coming to an end? Uh, I, I don't feel this because you know uh, for now the negotiations have stopped and they probably uh, there is no nothing about nothing to talk about with Russia anymore for the for the moment because uh, the only uh, idea of Russia is to to cancel the independence of Ukraine to take to wipe Ukraine out of the map of the world so with this kind of attitude uh, we don't have you know, if we surrender, uh, many civilians would be killed, and uh, also uh, there would be a lot more refugees if we surrender. If we fight, I don't know if we will. If we have a we will have a success. So, but any, anyhow, we have a hope now with the help of Western partners. Maybe uh, Ukraine will win, but still, it's it's very much unclear. As for me, uh, everything was a what West is doing is a little bit late. So uh, just, I think probably in the, in February, all the Western countries, they thought that Ukraine will, will be taken in three, four days, and, and then it will be a kind of long partisan war against the new regime. But it, it didn't happen. So still Ukraine is resisting, and situation is under control. We have a president, we have a uh, Army headquarters chief commander and uh, defense ministers, they're on their places. Every army is under control. But still the enemy, you know, as yesterday our president said that Russia has 20 times more uh, 
tanks and uh, infantry carriers than we have. So it means that our resistance is really heroic, but we don't know how long we can, you know, stay. Like and and your dream, uh, Yevgeny, I assume, is to one day return to Kiev. Yeah, I would like to. You know, they have some coffee right now in Kiev. Yeah. <laughs> ah, well. And, and I hope we will, and you will come also to see absolutely, Ukraine absolutely. after war. I, I've it. I've spoken with more people who have said that that when all this is over, yeah. it's on everybody's list to go and visit your beautiful country. Listen, Yevgeny, it was a real pleasure uh, talking to you. Look after yourself, your wife, your mother-in-law, and your two little children. Thank and, you so and much. Good, good luck with the exhibition, and thanks for joining yeah. us. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you. Good bye morning bye. to you. Bye bye. Evgeny Ikhelsen, who is living outside of Castletown Roach, and that exhibition is in St. Peter's on North Main Street. It is free of charge and it's open to the general public each day up to the 30th of May, excluding Sundays. All this week celebrating Cork's first ever Sky Shop, and it's opening tomorrow on the ground floor at Mahat Point Shopping Centre and they've very kindly given us a terrific prize to give away. It's been described as the ultimate home cinema package. It's worth in total €2,000. It comes with a projector and obviously if you're getting a projector you need to have the great big projector screen so that's thrown into the package. There's a home cinema sound system because there's nothing better than it's the one thing about going to the movies it's the sound that absolutely makes it when you go to the cinema so the fact that this is a home package it has to have the proper sound system so there's a sound system thrown in and the good people at Sky Store are giving 100 euro in vouchers so you can check out all of the latest movies I've got a clip from a show uh, from the Sky Store show take a listen to this not neither like the Dutch how many is he killed Grave digger. We're nothing like our fathers, Alec. We're nothing like our fathers. Okay, that is a clip from a sky, from a show from the Sky Store. It is either A, the Fear Index, or B, it's Gangs of London. So it's A, the Fear Index, or B, Gangs of London. I need you please to text or WhatsApp A or B along with your name and address and get texting or WhatsApping now 086 103 103 to be today's qualifier and getting you a step closer to winning that terrific prize of the ultimate home cinema package if you can identify which programme this is from. Like the Dutch. How many has he killed? Brave digger. Nothing like our fathers, Alec. So A, the fear index, or B, gangs of London. Get working on that, please, to be a chance uh, to be today's uh, qualifier. And remember that Sky Shop opening tomorrow, ground floor of Man Point Shopping Centre. And we will be announcing our winner on Friday. We'll leave the text message open for about 10 minutes. Text and our WhatsApp 0862 103 103. You need your name and address as well, please. And when I was talking with Yevgeny in the last hour, the veteran journalist who's now living is now a refugee in this country and living just outside of Castletown Roach with his wife who also happens to be a journalist as well about that wonderful photographic exhibition that's going on in the city he was talking about how he has already lost 
colleagues of his, journalists that have been killed and photographers that have been killed. And I mentioned we've, of course, had one of our own that was killed in kind of a month into the conflict. I'm sure sure it was. I just couldn't remember the gentleman's name. And thank you to Barney. It's a Pierre Zakowski was the name of the Irish photographer and cameraman. He was killed in Ukraine. His vehicle that he was travelling in came under uh, fire. It was around the end of March, so about a month into the invasion of of Ukraine by uh, Russia. He'd been working for Fox uh, News and had been travelling with another reporter uh, when it happened. And of course, with a name like Pierre Zakowski, it's not your very typical Irish name, but as we subsequently found out, he was very, very proud of his Irish passport and that he was very much Irish. It was just his, his mum was French. I think his dad was Polish, but they'd been living in Ireland because I heard uh, an interview on National Radio with his two brothers describing what Pierre was like and he was just such a, a lovely, lovely man and who was very committed to his job and particularly he'd been in a lot of other war situations and felt as a photographer and a cameraman he was the one, you know, he was. it was so important to get the story out so that the rest of the world, so that we could all know what was going on and unfortunately he was killed in the line of doing a job that he loved so well. So we remember Pierre Zakowski and I imagine he would be thrilled to see a photographic exhibition like what Evgeny has organised in his home country about Evgeny's home uh, country. Also, when we were talking with Yevgeny, uh, Martina was on from McCroom and she said she was watching the news last night and it was the piece on the news about the Russian soldier who is the first to face a war trial in Ukraine. That's unusual with the war going on, that a war trial is actually happening. I think that's, I'm, I'm open to question, but I think it's un- unprecedented because certainly after the Second World War, there was a lot of those war trials held, but they were held after the war had ended. Anyway, he was the young 21-year-old and he was found guilty of murder and he was sentenced to life in uh, prison. He shot, it was a 63-year-old man who was on his phone at the time, was who he uh, who he shot dead. Um Martina said she was watching him on the news and he's been featured on the news for the last few days while that trial was going on. And Martina said, even though he's 21, she actually looks so much younger. And she said, watching him last night, he was in this kind of a glass box. I don't know if you saw it on the news or not. Inside in a very small little courtroom that was absolutely packed. And I know on one of the days during the week when the trial was going on, the man who he had shot dead, his widow was sitting outside the glass box sort of in the courtroom looking at him and they sort of made eye contact and to me that was utterly heartbreaking as well but Martina said watching him she felt sorry for him because at the end of the day he was only obeying orders and that's the one thing that came out from the trial that he had been told to kill this man they had he had been led to believe that he was because he was on his mobile phone the the gentleman in his 60s who he shot dead that he was ringing through to say that there were Russians here he was ringing through to the Ukrainians uh, so his commander told this young soldier shoot that man shoot that man of course soldiers do what soldiers do they unfortunately obey orders and at the end of the day this man was killed and he left behind a grieving widow and a family and then he was before the courts the 21 year old and now he has been sentenced to life in jail he and even as, as you say he even looked younger than he's 21 years when I heard that he was only 21 I was thinking oh my god you know you think of 21 year olds here and in this country, you know, most of our 21 year olds are either in college or they're just starting jobs. And, you know, if you have a 21 year old son, you would think them very young. You certainly wouldn't want them to be putting a Kalashnikov rifle on their back and sending them out to war. So I think every mother could identify looking into the eyes of that young boy because he did look, he looked a bit lost. He looked frightened. 
yeah, and and even though he killed somebody, as Martina says, he was just obeying uh, orders. And I saw a piece online f- from his mother in Russia, who didn't even know her where her son was. She didn't even know he was in the Ukraine. He was in the army. Uh, she didn't know he had gone to war. And of course, they're very limited in the information that they are getting in Russia about the war. And she said the first that she heard about him was when she saw him on television, having been arrested and going before this war trial. And she said there was a sense of relief to know that he was alive. And uh, but but she said it was the first she knew that he had been that he was involved in any kind of a war. And my heart broke for her as well. So it's it's thus proving, is it not, that there are absolutely no winners when it comes to war. There there certainly isn't. Thank you for your call, Martina. And I think a lot of other people will agree while, you know, that man should not have been killed. I think that people have have a level of sympathy for that. He just seems so young. At 21, he is young. But Martina's right, he even looked younger than 21 years of age. 0818 103 103. Now, we've been, we were talking on the programme about delays in the passport office and we're going to be talking a little bit more about that in, in a moment. But somebody is throwing in something else that says needs to be looked at while you're on about passports. Could you raise the issue about the death, marriage and birth registration offices? They're a joke. You can't get through on the phone and you can only attend by making an appointment. They won't accept an, a divorce service stamped by your solicitor you have to go to the courthouse and get an original copy which is exactly the same thing and then you have to take your partner in with you to the appointment which means again two people taking time off work it's all a joke and that's all been done just to arrange a civil service says uh, somebody who feels that whole system it's a bit like when I mentioned about the passports and it was Andreas Moynihan our local uh, Fianna Fáil deputy, he was saying they need to set, sort of streamline it a little bit. So here's somebody saying that needs to be streamlined as well. There's got to be other ways of doing doing things. Sometimes bureaucracy, I think, can get totally in the way and it can swamp everything. And when you allow bureaucracy to get in the way, that's what happens then. It just takes up so much time and effort on behalf of people. 0818 103 103. Dan and was on about the lab technicians who were out on strike. He says, these people have been waiting 20 years for a pay rise. And he wonders, does Mr. Robert Watts, the head of the HSE, would he wait that long for his big increase? Well, we know he didn't when he took on that job. And actually, we spoke with Mairead, one of the medical scientists last week on the programme, when they went on the one day strike. And that was the one thing that absolutely blew me away by my interview with Mairead when they were doing the one day strike. She was saying, you know, that this isn't a new issue. She said 20 years ago, they got an agreement and nothing has been done in the 20 years and also when I asked her I've never heard of medical scientists going out on strike before she said we haven't it's the first time that they've ever done it but they just feel they've been pushed to the limit you know no one's talking to them nobody's trying to sort their uh, issues and because of this it's a two-day strike uh, industrial action today tens of thousands of medical procedures and appointments of course have been cancelled for today and tomorrow HSC are out warning of significant disruption to services in in hospitals right across uh, the country Uh, the medical scientists they said last week if you know nothing happened after their one day strike they said they would step up their campaign that's exactly what they're doing it's over long standing pay and there's also career development issues uh, as well Uh, the union they're the medical laboratory 
Laboratory Scientists Association. This is the one that really got me when I saw this this morning. They say that no approach has been made by the HSE are the Department of Health since last week's strike. So it's, it looks like they allowed them to strike last week. Again, tens of thousands of medical procedures and appointments were uh, cancelled. And did they just think they were going to go away without anybody talking? They said they've literally no approach has been made by the HSE or the Department of Health. So they've upped their game this week. The HSE say that this week's action will lead to the cancellation of many inpatient and day case elective procedures, exactly like what they did last week. And it's also going to hospital outpatient appointments across the country. A lot of those have been uh, affected. All routine GP testing service suspended for today and tomorrow. Patients currently in hospital requiring tests. Some of those are going to be affected. There'll be delays in emergency departments. Don't go anywhere near an emergency department unless it really is an emergency. Now, dialysis and uh, cancer services will obviously continue. Effective patients have been cancelled directly and people, again, I heard this on the news earlier, don't ring the hospitals, please, because they're already swamped. And they're saying, you know, if you check into the HSE for website, to their website for updates, but the hospital will contact you if your procedure or whatever it is, appointment is going to be uh, cancelled. And while efforts are continuing to try to avert this action the HSE they say are working with the medical laboratory scientists union to ensure arrangements are in place on the days for the provision of a limited range of services so they're they're, they're dealing with them to make sure that there's cover but they won't deal with them to solve the reason that they're out on strike just makes absolutely no sense at all to me and what do medical scientists do they carry out a lot of critical diagnostic testing of patient samples and the majority of them of course work in laboratories in uh, public uh, hospitals there, uh, they say that they, this, they've kind of upped it from last week's strike action. The vast majority of the 2,100 members will all be on the picket line, all public, voluntary and HSE uh, hospitals. Now, last week they didn't picket outside the Irish Blood Transfusion Service Board where they'd have members working, but they're picketing there today, even though the Irish Blood Transfusion say non-urgent patient testing services, that will be it, but the, the, the service will, will continue to run, like testing and processing of all donor bloods will continue as uh, normal. But it just, uh, and if nothing happens after these two days, these the medical scientists say there will be a further three days of strike action planned for next week, 31st of May, 1st of June and the 2nd of June. But it's just here the union say that they, the HSC and the Department of Health didn't get around a table. I would have thought that when they went through with the one day industrial action last week, I thought of even during the day, there would have been some kind of negotiations going on, but it, but it hasn't. And if they continue to ignore them today, we know they went on, they had strike action for one day last week, two days this week. They will do the three days uh, next week. It really is absolutely bizarre. But it, but the point that Dan and Balanhasek is, is making, this isn't a new issue. It's an issue that has been dragging on for 20 years years. 0818 103 103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council delivering roads and housing, community and business supports all across the county. See corkcoco.ie 
There is a used clothes collection. It's a fundraiser for Gaggin Hall. They're collecting men's, women's, children's used clothes, bags, shoes, belts, sheets, duvet covers, towels and curtains. All good quality soft toys as well. No pillows, duvets or plastic toys, please. And the drop-off is at Gaggin Hall this evening between 7pm and 8pm. Shambhali Moore Bingo happens every Tuesday night. So it's on tonight, 8 o'clock in the community centre. They've got a jackpot this week of €1,950. And the Mallow Men's Shed Group, they meet every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday afternoons between 2 and 5pm. It's at the rear of Lakela Family Centre. They also meet there on Tuesday nights between 7 and 9pm. New members, very much welcome to attend and you can choose any day that suits you. And staying with Men's Shed... Donnerales Men's Shed will hold their inaugural meeting tomorrow Wednesday half past eight in the community centre they're appealing for people to go along and make the launch of the Men's Shed in Donnerale a success Record today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 0862103103 Okay we have been talking the last couple of days about uh, passports and delays that people are experiencing uh, with passports and in the middle of my chat about the passports I got a text in from Councillor Declan Hurley in West Cork who had contacted us a few weeks ago and I keep quoting him about passports and uh, we, invited, we decided to bring him on uh, just to chat about this. Uh, good afternoon to you Declan. Good afternoon, Patricia. And and you're welcome to the programme. Firstly, I've been mentioning you because you, a number of weeks ago, drew our attention to the fact to warn people that when they're going to get their photographs, particularly for first-time passports stamped at a Garda station, to be careful of what Garda station you select. That's right. And in particular, it's the, the, the non-24 or Garda stations seem to be the problem. And and, and I've only recently learned, um, since I spoke to that, Patricia, some of the 24 hour Garda stations um, are problems as well too because there is a high volume um, as you identified of calls going into Garda stations on a daily basis and sometimes if the passport office can't get through when they dial that number that's it, they, they just get this, discard that application and a new consent form has to, has to go into it. it it's very important um, I, I think at, at this stage that people really really know who they are putting on their forms they are contactable uh, should the, uh, the passport office wish to, to follow up on, uh, on on the verification of the consent forms. Well, I saw Andreas Moynihan, one of our, our local TDs, saying that he heard from one guard station they were getting on average 13 phone calls an hour from the passport office. Yeah, I, I would believe it. Yeah, crazy, huge, crazy. Yeah, huge volume of applications being processed at the moment. And uh, at the end of the day, there's only so many guards uh, on duty at a particular time. And if the phone lines are as busy as that, um, Phones will or calls will be missed, and unfortunately, that's when problems start to arise with um, with applicants because they, they can't verify the, the paperwork. And then the application is sent back, and the person has to start again. And that's why I was slightly annoyed when the Department of Foreign Affairs are insisting that there isn't a backlog in processing passports. They're blaming forms are not filled out correctly, or they don't have in, or don't have any of the information. A passport form that you could have absolutely everything spot on. But if the person processing the passport can't get through to the guard the station, that then is sent back to the person. So that's deemed a passport that was incorrectly filled in. And that's not fair. That's right. And I, I have experienced that. And, and I have gone through application forms and I've double checked and triple checked before documentation goes into the envelope. Everything was correct. All the I's dotted, all the T's crossed. 
And yet, because the passport office couldn't get through to the Garda station to verify the documentation, that was um, disregarded as incomplete and they had to go through the, not the whole process, but they had to resubmit a new consent form uh, which delayed the application for about a month or six weeks. Now, you have an ev- a one that my jaw dropped when, when I read <laughs> this. Tell me about this. This is one of, uh, this, yeah. is a, this is a constituent. Who, who, were you helping to get a passport or they just contacted you? No, more. I, I, the last time I spoke to you, Patricia, I had about four families um, on basically uh, waiting for passports to come through and last Wednesday thankfully one family got their passport through and they were travelling on the Saturday and on Thursday the second family got their passport and they were travelling on the Sunday so I said fine that's it panic over lo and behold I got another phone call on the Friday another family at their wit's end uh, doing all the paperwork uh, with a new application for one of their kids and sent off the paperwork got back the kids um, passport new applic- the new passport happy days and happy days they thought they were fine but when they emptied out the envelope there was one item missing and it was one of the parents original uh, passports now it wasn't an Irish passport and in the past obviously they've had to, had to send away um, a non-Irish passport for um, for the approval of a, of a new applic- a new passport for a family member now in the last few days I've learned that's not necessary now that you can actually uh, no. one parent was is, is an Irish citizen the other um, has a UK uh, passport um, but the photocopy was sufficient for the Irish passport, but they put in their original UK one um, because they had to do it in the past. Now, unfortunately, between the applicant's home, Garda Station and Post Office, the passport has gone missing. And they're due to travel on Friday and nobody in the passport office is saying that they have it. They, we, we know the biggest issue at the moment is trying to get through to the passport office because they're just... Um, so in you know they're swamped. They're swamped. Yeah, yeah. So we we I did get through, and um, they've gone through that, and everything that they received in the envelope they've scanned on the system. Yeah, and that's verification for them that they re- what documentation they received. But unfortunately, this passport hasn't been scanned up, and they're saying they never received it. Ah. Uh... So again, another word of warning. Uh, I, I would not send away any. Or, no, you have to send in original uh, birth uh, birth certificates. Um, and they do come back, but on this occasion, we're hoping that that, that original documentation, that that um, birth certificate hasn't come back, and we're hoping that in the office somewhere, where that original documentation is, the, the parent's passport is as well too. But the problem is, this is Tuesday, which is travel on Friday, and trying to get through and get somebody to talk to them on the phone is just a nightmare. And that, and the, the, and if she wouldn't even get another passport issued from UK in time. No, no, we, we have gone to the Department of Foreign Affairs, hoping that they would intervene and try and sort something out. But at, at this stage, it, it's panic stations um, to try and ascertain as to where action. And, and the person is adamant they did put the uh, passport in with the envelope. They sealed the envelope. They sent it off, and that's the last solver. Well, well, the um, the other point is, in in order for them, in order for that family to get the child's passport, they would have to have sent off the passport. The photocopy, they sent away the photocopy of the Irish passport yeah. from parents, and then the second passport was a non-Irish passport, yeah. so they sent that original one away. Because I, I think they'll have the, on their database, they'll have all Irish passports on their database, but they won't have foreign countries. And passport on that's, why they scan it. that's why they and scan that's it. That's why they scan it and put it in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, that's miserable, isn't it? No, I'm, it is, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that that's rare that they'll lose a passport. I, I don't know. And unfortunately, me as a public representative, I 
the Oireachtas members have dedicated lines to make contact with the passport office. I, as a county councillor, don't have that, um, oh, okay. that opportunity. So I have to go to uh, one of my own uh, Oireachtas members, be the senator or a TD, and try and get them to make the phone call on my behalf. And thankfully they do. But the big problem is, is trying to get through to the passport office to speak with somebody and to go and check a file to see if there is a documentation in a file somewhere that they should have returned back. Um, but it's just it's a nightmare to get through just that alone you could spend an hour waiting on the end of the phone and again you just lose connection and get cut off And am I right in saying that there probably isn't a TD or indeed a minister around the country who isn't inundated with constituents trying to get their passports sorted Absolutely like, and you said it earlier we have far more important things What a waste on a of basis. time and yeah. money it's crazy Yeah I, I have days, days wasted just on the phone, just trying to get through the passport office. Um, and I mm. and senators and TDs are all doing the same thing, trying to help their constituents. But the bottom line, I think, here, Patricia, is that this, I, I have great respect for the staff in the passport office who are trying to do their job and they're doing great work. But the system is outdated. The system is flawed. It needs to be changed. And I do welcome uh, Deputy Andres Mine making that call. Mm. It's, 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 it's not working and it needs to be overhauled because we can't, families cannot be going through this on a daily basis, on an annual basis. And even if a family is going on a holiday, you can cancel the holiday and you can maybe reschedule the holiday. And that, that's bad in itself. But if you have to travel uh, for personal reasons um, and you end up in this kind of a situation, where do you turn? Nobody at the end of the phone yeah. to answer the phone and, and take a, um, a query or to answer a question and so the passport was missing. Um, it's just the, it's, it's the worst nightmare and ever. And listen, I absolutely accept that we're, you know, we're coming out of a pandemic. It's, we're living in very strange times and the amount of people who are, are, are applying. I mean, I, was, I couldn't even believe that figure that I read earlier that the, almost a half a million passports have been processed so far this year and we're only into the end of May. And if you look at 2019 pre-pandemic, 420,000 were issued across the whole year. So I accept that there's a lot of passports uh, going through. But it's not that they didn't know this was going to happen? This is it. They, they, you, you don't need a degree to, to have to know if there was going to be a tsunami of applications coming in. So the, the problem lies with the, with, the, with the department. They should have had adequate staff um, put in place to deal with the, the large volume of applications currently going through the system. They're, there is they're now like, talking about raising it from 600 workers at the moment, which is a lot of people. They're talking about raising it to 900. And I know Labour Doll Deputy Sean Sherlock, he's been banging on for years about bringing back a printing machine to Cork. Once upon a time, the Cork Passport Office had a printing machine and someone yeah. in their wisdom decided, no, we didn't need it. And they're all centralised uh, together. And he's been calling for that printing, bring another printing machine on and let's process, at least process the Munster ones in Munster. At this day and age, at the way technology has advanced, there is there is no excuse for this current fiasco to be ongoing on a daily basis. There's families at their wit's end, upset and anxiety and stress and sleepless nights. And you know, the holiday is ruined mm. even before they go on the holiday, yeah, having, yeah. Gone, having gone through this. And it's not fair. Um, and, and the system is outdated. And it, it, at this day and age, it's, it's, not, it's not acceptable. Listen, keep, keep us update on keep us updated on that woman and let us know if they find her passport and how she gets on. Listen, Declan, as always, appreciate you taking our call. Thank you for that. Welcome. Thank Thanks uh, for joining us. That is Councillor Declan Hurley. I need to wrap up my Sky Shop competition. Where is our piece gone? There it is. You know, neither like your dad. How many has he killed? Grave digger. We're nothing like our father's Alec.
There you go. That was Gangs of London. So the answer was a B to today's question. And our qualifier today is Kathleen Crane O'Connor. And Kathleen is in banding. Congratulations to you, Kathleen. Your Tuesday's a qualifier and one step closer to winning an ultimate home cinema package worth €2,000, including a projector, projector screen, home cinema sound system and €100 in Sky store vouchers so you can check out all the latest movies on Sky all to celebrate that the first ever Sky Shop is opening tomorrow Wednesday on the ground floor at Mahon Point Shopping Centre we'll do it all over again tomorrow Court today on C103 Call Patricia with your comment 0818103103 And we need to go to Joe Heflin Oh Joe was there and he's gone Okay we, we will uh, get, while we're waiting on getting Joe back just on uh, passports somebody was on Anne in Cork was on and says if the passport office had a dedicated person or can I say persons who would check the forms when they arrive surely that would solve some of the delays Mistakes could be spotted straight away and corrected before going forward to be processed because so many times we hear from people who say, you know, I sent everything off, I thought everything was perfect and three months later I'm getting a call or something's been sent back to me and then you have to start the process all over again. You're back to sort of day one when you send it all back in again. So that's a good point from Anne that if they checked it and if there is anything wrong, highlight it earlier on in the process. That's a good suggestion, uh, Anne. Okay, Joe Heflin, I, I now believe, joins me. Good afternoon, Joe. Good afternoon, Patricia. And we've got swamps talking about passports, so I'm a little bit late uh, coming to you. So we may not get through all of this today, but we can return to it next week. But yeah. and we're going to be talking about worry, which I think is an important topic in the times in which we live. But before we do that, you wanted to say a big thank you for your CD fundraiser for the Community Air Ambulance. Yeah, just to say a thanks, a big thank you to all the people in C103 who have been fabulous in helping us out with airtime and mentions. Um, uh, you've all been brilliant there, and thank you for that. And, of course, thank you to all the wonderful shops and businesses who sold our CD, and especially thank you to those who bought the CD. So thank you so much, and um, I hope we'll have a big check for the air ambulance. Um, we're winding things down now, um, and uh, we hope to... Uh, wind things down completely uh, at the end of May. Okay, and then make so. the presentation. You can come back to us with the final figure. We'll be delighted to yeah. announce it for you. Okay, yeah. we want to talk about worry. We 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 all worry at some stage. I don't think there's anybody who lives a life without going through periods of time where, where you're worried about something. Yeah, and and sometimes like a bit of worry can be good. Um, you know, I'd be worried if my driving licence ran out and therefore I have made an appointment to go into Mallow and um, renew my licence um, uh, on the, is it the 30th or the 31st? Anyway, um, and if I didn't have that bit of a worry, I might forget all about it and um, uh, and that would not be a good thing. So, yeah, a bit of worry uh, can be healthy and it can... Um, you know, it can it can help us to um, to solve things that we need to solve. Yeah, it can but, spur you to do what you need to do that then removes the worry. Uh, precisely. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, that's that's one worry gone. Um, uh, but chronic worry is another thing. I mean, chronic worry is um, 
uh, those of us who worry, 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 worry all the time, and as soon as one thing, as you say, is uh, sorted, we're into the next one and the next one. And the 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 big problem is that we can worry about the. The, the example we gave there, like, is a worry about something that we have control over. But the 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 worry about things that we can't control and have no control over, like we'll say other people, um, are the past. Um, you know, we're going we're going to find no solution there or no solving. Now, um, <clears throat> we can do our best. Um, there might be somebody that we uh, have neglected to contact for a long time and uh, we may contact them and it might be extremely pleasant. And so, yeah, but what we don't have any control over, like, is really the other person's response. Um, uh, it might be very welcoming response. It mightn't be. It might be a bit cool. Um, we've no control over that um, or over what other people um, uh, do. Now, the, um, the, the, the huge problem, like, with chronic worry is that it can actually lead to us being uh, ill. Um, you reckon they're actually physical symptoms? Yeah, yeah. Like, um, I, I'd often say it to myself and others, um, just be aware of the shoulders, the neck muscles. Now, if your shoulders are up around your ears kind of thing, um, if you're, I suppose the phrase didn't fall out of the sky, if you're uptight, that can lead to headaches um, <clears throat> due to m- m- muscle tension. Um, a person can have um, poor sleep over worries. Mm. How often do we hear that? Mm. I couldn't sleep with the worry of it. We hear that regularly. It can upset the tummy. Um, you know, I... Tummy pains, our lack of appetite. Um, a regular one we hear about is lower back pain, which can come from stress. Now, on the other hand, I mean, it might demand an MRI and there might well be something physically wrong. But um, stress, e- even if that was the case, stress wouldn't wouldn't help it. And then you have the high uh, stress um, uh Things like even going right up to the uh, to a panic attack. So yeah, and I suppose one of the things we need to do, Patricia, is kind of like have a have a good look. Maybe make a, a bit of a list of um, what are we worried about? For example, if if it's our work um, environment uh, or the people we work with or the job yeah, that we're doing, yeah. yeah. To, to kind of make a list, um, uh, and that might be one of the items on the list, and then ask yourself, okay, is this an issue that I have control over or is this an issue that I have no control over? And uh, obviously, if I do have control over it, well then, what can I do? And will I do that and uh, make a little plan and, uh, and follow through with it? Now, the other kind of things that cause us to worry would be, um, you know, uh, big changes in our lives, like, uh, for example, having a child. Um, uh, Our son Colin and his wife Elizabeth in Cork have recently had a little granddaughter. She's lovely, Charlie. And um, 
they're finding that life is, you know, dramatically changed. Mm. Um, now everything revolves around the child and must be there and this must be done, etc. Whereas before, I mean, all this, you know, uh, it was basically both of them were working and um, now life has changed. Um, a relationship breakup is a very stressful thing and we can worry, worry, worry about that. Um, if we're moving accommodation, especially young people now, um, say, for example, students and their parents um, who trying to find Trying to find a property to for rent. For next September, yeah, we'll yeah. say. And you they know, say for others moving house, they say next to a divorce, it's the most traumatic thing you will do in your life if you have to up sticks and, and move, move yeah. houses. And unfortunately, yeah. people renting don't have any security and many people are forced to do that and have the added worry of trying to find a place to live. Absolutely. And uh, trying to find a place um, that they can financially afford because things, as we read, every single day are gone through the roof. Um, And of course, as well as all those um, highly listed stressors that we all hear about, we now have a kind of a world situation where I think um, we're all worried. I mean, um, what will Russia do next? Um, when will it all end? Uh, will we have gas and electricity and oil uh, when the winter comes around? Um, uh, not to mind the price of it, will, will it be available? Um, you and know, and while all that's going on, we're still dealing with a pandemic that hasn't gone away. So Absolutely, so there's, and there's the latest a lot thing in, now, the B4 variant, we're told to be on the lookout, we could have yeah. another... Another surge. wave, yeah, 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 another wave. So there's there's a lot of things uh, to be worrying about, but there, a lot of those are outside of our control. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, the, the likes of, we'll say, relationship conflicts with either family or with friends or whoever, um, they are things that, to a degree... We do have control over. I mean, we can we can make that phone call. We can send that text. We can send that email. Now, we've no control over the outcome. But, I mean, that would be something that, you know, that one could um, uh, deal with. If a person is worried, uh, realistically worried, about their physical health, well, that's something that we can do a bit about as well, um, you know, we can maybe eat better. We can set up a sleep hygiene regime. That get some is, exercise, get some fresh air. All of that. Yeah, yeah. So we've a bit of control there. We've a lot of control there, actually. Um, then you have the little niggly things. Um, you know, the niggly things like, um, uh, say, 8 o'clock in the morning, uh, going into town, into Mallow, into any town, into the city, um, you know, you're there twiddling your thumbs in a long, long, long um, line of traffic. And, to, uh, and that's stressful. Yeah, um, and trying to find parking spaces and and every and everything that goes uh, with that. Now, we're going to we're going to have to park it there, but we will. I promise we will come back to this uh, next week and we'll continue on the topic of worrying and talk about things like mindfulness and meditation and things that we can all do ourselves to try yeah. to alleviate some of this worry, yeah, particularly for this. We can cut down on, on the stressors. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's it. OK, listen, have a lovely week. Get out and walk, eat properly and do okay. all the, do all the things that you tell us 
all to do. Thanks for that, Joe. Have a lovely week. That is uh, Joe Heffernan. And listen to his own CD. That's a way to keep calm as well. Music is great. 086-834-8145. 086-834-8145. Runs Joe runs a counselling practice in Bohabui. Michael's making the point on the passports with the involvement of the Gardaí in the process. He says, I feel this volume of calls into regard this station with all the other calls that are going on. Other calls will be missed. Some of those other calls could be much more urgent and the amount of time the Gardaí now have to do dealing with paperwork work attached to passports rather than out doing the work that they're paid uh, to do. Where have we heard that important calls haven't been dealt with uh, before that needs to be looked at. Okay, that's ready for today. Thanks to Bernie. Nick Richards with you for the afternoon. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Today. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.